0: This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect.
1: Hi, I'm Kevin Perlmutter, chief strategist and founder of Limbic Brand Evolution. And I have a confession to make about content. I don't actually love most content. I, I love content that's compelling that draws me in but there is so much content out there we are inundated with content and honestly most of it is really hard to take in or ignorable what i do love about content is when it draws me in when it's compelling when it's fit for purpose and when it really feels like it's something that was uh, intended for making me feel a certain way
0: From New York City, you're listening to Content Is Your Business. Conversations with industry leaders and influencers covering the strategy and innovation of brand storytelling.
2: Hey everybody, I'm Ritesh Gupta. I want to welcome in my uh, co-host, Amber. Thank you so much. Really looking forward to this conversation. And Kevin, let's dive in because I want to know, what is compelling content?
1: Content is compelling when it's fit for purpose, when it draws you in, when it feels like it was made with you in mind. Uh, I'm all about understanding how people want to feel and and making sure that the way we approach connecting with them fits that need, is relevant to them.
3: And how do you go about understanding and approaching how people feel, like figuring that out.
1: My approach is very rooted in emotion and understanding that primary question, how do you want people to feel? So when I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about questions like, what is their core motivation? What is their purpose? What's the underlying reason that they are engaged in this experience? And how is it that as a brand – you're going to solve that need for them and making that connection together.
2: Why do you think people aren't
1: asking that question?
2: Especially, you know, let's, let's take a step back. And obviously there's a lot of people listening to this and, and in the advertising business, as you're talking about brands, everything starts with a strategy and it starts with, you know, why are we doing this and what, what's the problem in the world we're trying to solve? So why do you feel right now in 2020 We are not asking that question, how do we want the audience or the
1: customer to feel? You're asking a great question that I don't have the answer to. I'm a little baffled by it because the evidence is out there. There, There's so much evidence on the power of emotion and how much emotion impacts people's behavior and their desire for long-term loyalty of a brand that it is a little bit baffling that most brand leaders, most marketers, most CMOs don't understand that. And ignore it. So there are a couple of really great stats out there. Um, There is a uh, customer experience consultancy that uh, did research a few years back and shared that emotion is the largest driver of loyalty in the customer experience. All other things considered, statistically speaking, how you feel at the end of an experience dictates your future loyalty. And Forrester just reinforced that data with its own data saying the exact same thing, saying that brands that are ignoring emotion are definitely missing the mark. And I'm paraphrasing their words. And who – give us an example
2: of of people who are making compelling content and striking that right emotional chord, either specific content that's been created
1: or brands that are doing it right. Yeah. So one great example from the end of 2019 is Spotify. I mean, they came out with their um, personalized information about how much music I listened to, what uh, artists were my favorite artists, not only of the year, but of the decade, uh, what my favorite songs were, how many minutes of music I listened to. And that was incredible content. First of all, Spotify as a brand, regardless of that content, is, is one of the brands that I consider to be in the Swiss army knife of brands that I use every day. And it's a can't live without brand. And what they've done at the end of the year, instead of trying to sell me more or reduce their services or offer me promotions that I really don't need, they've actually reinforced my loyalty by reminding me how much I use their service with content that's incredibly personalized. Mm-hmm.
2: That is such mm-hmm. – I think that's a phenomenal example.
3: Yeah. And – I was looking up at your background actually, and you were in music for a while, right? So, uh,
1: in music is a is an interesting way to put it.
3: <laughs> I feel I, like you kind of yes, I'm in music. You kind of have to, yeah. Be well, yes, in it. <laughs> um,
1: I was a music person for a while. Okay. I, um, I my my background um, has taken me through many years. Um, in ad agencies, and I left that over a dozen years ago. I was a uh, senior brand strategist at Inner Brand, a global brand consultancy, for about seven years. And then I had the wonderful, amazing opportunity to be chief strategist and chief innovation officer at a company called Man Made Music, which is a music studio. But personally, I have no musical talent. I was there to lead strategy, offering expansion, um, and research, which has become a really big part of my current work as well.
3: Yeah, that was going to be my question, actually, like, because I feel like music is obviously you're talking about Spotify as a great example. Yeah. Um, music in and of itself is such an emotional thing for people from a content perspective. What did you take from that role and in music in the, in, in the music industry, I guess, maybe is the the right way to say it like that you're using now?
1: Yeah, I love that question because the company that I've created, Limbic Brand Evolution, is uh, an amalgamation of all of the things that I love to do that I've taken from different parts of my career. Mm. So it, it takes in the work that I did at Innerbrand as a strategist, helping uh, brands and clients with customer experience and brand strategy evolution and identity evolution. And it takes the work that I did at the music studio where I was an internal business architect helping to evolve the company from an offering expansion perspective and from an innovation perspective. But another thing that I had the great opportunity to learn there was about behavioral science. And while I was there, we created a research capability with a wonderful outside partner. And it was an award-winning capability that helped us understand the significant impact that emotion has on behavior and music equating very largely to emotion um, there was a, a very important link there, but the bigger news for me was that emotion is so incredibly important and music is a phenomenal way to affect people emotionally, but it's only one way.
2: When you evaluate the work and what is the work or the content, etc., how do you evaluate if, if a piece of content or a
1: brand is doing what they should and striking that emotional chord? First of all, I want to understand its intent. What is it trying to achieve? Um, Secondly, I want to understand if it's emotionally compelling on that purpose. So that's the evaluation. I'm looking at it to say, does this matter? Is it positively impacting the people that are meant to receive it? But when I take a step back and I'm trying to help a brand evolve how they put themselves out there, it's a very inquisitive approach. I'm a very curious person. So my approach by nature starts with a lot of questions. Um, And in those questions, I'm looking at a variety of things. I'm looking at the brand side. So as a brand, what's the brand's purpose? What's its reason for being? What's its role in the world? What is it motivated to do as a brand on a daily basis in the lives of the people that it intends to serve? And how successful is it being in those roles? On the flip side, I'm looking at its audience, the people that they're trying to reach. I want to understand what their motivations are, not just their like wants and stated needs and desires. I'm thinking subconsciously from a behavioral science perspective, what is it that makes them tick at a deep level? If you're talking about um, a brand that uh, has, has an offering – um, like, like soups, for instance, and, you know, you're thinking just in terms of flavor benefits, you're not necessarily going deep enough. Perhaps you're dealing with an audience that's looking for healthy. You're, perhaps you're dealing with an audience that's looking for um, family togetherness around bowls of soup. I'm making stuff up, but you really need to dig deeper into the motivations of the audience and the motivations of the brand and find that intersection and that intersection is what in my business I call creating limbic sparks. So limbic sparks happen when your audience is emotionally motivated by what you're all about. So I'm working toward that goal at all points. I'm trying to understand what motivates the brand, what motivates the audience, and finding finding that intersection. Now sometimes, sometimes you want to look at the loyal users of that brand. Sometimes you want to see – uh, you you look for insights by looking at what the people who really know and love that brand are getting the most out of it. You want to understand what's what's making them come back for more. And sometimes the challenge that a brand has is this: there, just isn't, there aren't enough people out there who know about those benefits, who can feel those benefits. So you want to spread the word and you want to know what to focus on. Some brands are just missing the mark completely in how they put themselves out there and they need to rethink that because they're not connecting with people at an emotional level.
3: What brand would you say is an example of a brand that wasn't connecting uh, in an emotional way with their the, their base or the clientele that they were trying to attract and then shifted that strategy to be very emotion for, uh, forward and now they're successful?
1: I think there are lots of examples of brands that have done that. But speaking personally um, – as a as a new entrepreneur and business owner um i've been doing a lot more things uh with with uh software and operations support and i got to be honest with you i'm i'm going to go both ways on this i'm a long time um uh mac user apple lover um and all those things but i've been very impressed very surprisingly impressed with microsoft lately because i'm using office 365 in my business and i 'm a i'm an individual proprietor and sometimes I have tech issues and their level of personalized service and responsiveness and follow through uh, from a tech support perspective has been incredibly impressive and it's it's raised the bar in my mind for where Microsoft stands as a brand
2: it's interesting because because the, they i think just recently won a big you know their their work in can um, they won in can for their work with um kids with disabilities and creating products that were more inclusive and so to your point touching on uh the emotional need and and obviously having empathy and just really understanding showing an understanding for
1: their clientele yeah i enjoy my relationship with amazon um amazon is is involved in my life one of my one of my brands that i use every day whether it's for streaming movies or for very uh, fast shopping, or even the relationship they have with Whole Foods now, and the discounts that I get through that relationship. So that's a brand that you know certainly has um, people have a lot to say about it in the world. But what I believe they've done successfully is that they've continued to increase the benefits for users as a as a member as a prime member the benefits that i'm receiving have increased year over year and i feel like i'm a more more valued customer and i get more out of that relationship on the on the flip side i'm also a long time card carrying starbucks member and you know, Starbucks has come into a lot of steep competition lately. There are many more coffee shops on every corner next to every Starbucks on every corner than there was many years ago. But what Starbucks has seemed to do is decrease the benefits of their loyalty program, where I used to be feeling incentivized to. Uh, collect points at Starbucks because they were valuable and they very quickly led to a free drink or my monthly Frappuccino that I got for free or something like that. And I was very quick to buy Starbucks uh, coffee for my home and peel off the little sticker and go through the process of getting the points for that mm-hmm. uh, for that purchase. It's actually uh, decreased over time to the point where I no longer crave those benefits because they're just they've been watered down. They're not very valuable anymore. So it actually, subconsciously and then behaviorally, has reduced my usage of Starbucks because I'm not I'm not going after the points anymore. I don't care. Mm-hmm.
2: I feel like we're getting in a great way schooled on the evaluation of the industry and who's doing things really well in terms of emotionally driven and I think uh, both Amber and I are, we have a, there's a lot of head nodding going on that you can't see um because <laughs> yeah. because it's like huh huh never thought about that huh well we're going to take a break but because there's an important thing that's about to happen Kevin before he arrived teased that he had an epic snack uh, ahead of us but did not tell us what it is and we are going to do a little bit of unboxing so that Amber and I can have an emotional experience right now yes. um, and that is <laughs> discovering what this epic snack is and then consuming said epic snack. What did you bring and um, how delicious is this? Well,
1: I brought one of my favorites. Uh, one of my favorite treats from one of my favorite brands. I'm unzipping the hermetically sealed Cooler, as we speak, and that. I have for you guys. The emotion is increasing. I have Seriously. for you guys little bits <laughs> of what? Ben and Jerry's ice cream.
3: I yes. love this. So yes. I have I have yes. a
1: bunch of them. I have different flavors, and let me tell you why Ben and Jerry's. Um,
2: and I, just just before you tell us Ben and Jerry's, everybody should know <laughs> he has an ice pack and a cooler zip-up ice pack that you cannot see. So we're not going to drink. Uh, We're not going to drink ice cream. We are going to consume the frozen stuff. So kudos to you for thinking ahead. Yeah, uh, in your NYC commute,
1: it was the uh, most uh, difficult part of preparing for this to come (laughs) up with this snack to impress you all. But also, it's near and dear to my heart. I I could tell you a few things about Ben and Jerry's that I absolutely love. Uh, On a personal side, um, I'm a very Vermont oriented person. And my family is as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, My wife has spent a lot of time there since she was a child. I've been spending time there since I met her many years ago. My wife and daughter, well, my wife graduated from University of Vermont, and my daughter now is a junior at the University of Vermont. So from a personal perspective, Vermont has a very close place to my heart. From a brand perspective, Ben & Jerry's is a phenomenal brand. It stood the test of time for many, many years, even after it was acquired by Unilever. It has, um, it's a purpose-based ba- brand. They're very environmentally conscious. They've been very innovative with flavors, and their messaging, their content, their, the way they name their ice creams, it's all very engaging and very desirable, and it is some of the best-tasting ice cream out there, so you can't go wrong with it.
3: I would agree.
2: All right. uh, With that, we're going to eat some ice cream and um, we're going to be right back to dive into a little bit more about limbic specifically and how Kevin's helping his clients sort of move forward in the emotional world.
3: To laugh, do you love great interviews with a lot of heart? Do you like good stories? Do you like to hear about life? Well, good news because if you listen to a show called Funny People Talking, all of that happens, right, Danielle? All of it happens. Every single thing you said on that list and more. Well, Elsie, does any of it not happen? It all happens. Come on Elsie, okay. it really right. happened. Okay, well you should join us on Funny People Talking on Mouth Media Network. You can find us anywhere you can find a great podcast and I know it's true because these people loved it. Woo-hoo! Only for a short time while they were listening to the show then life sucked. Listen to Funny People Talking.
2: the anticipate the emotional (laughs) anticipation of the epic snack to consuming the ice cream you brought it dawned on amber and i that we did not really talk about your current company um at all so (laughs) but we did get a chance to learn a lot about the way you think and you know your definition of what makes emotionally centric strategy and you know content so let's talk a little bit about the work Limbic's doing with your company. What is, like, define the limbic spark, first of all.
1: So the name Limbic actually comes out of the limbic system of our brain. It's the part of our brain that controls emotion, motivation, behavior, and memory. It's where things happen at a subconscious level. There's um, a stat that's uh, known to a lot of people in in this field, up to 95% of activity in the brain decisions happen at the subconscious level. And most of that occurs in and around the limbic system so it seemed like the ideal name for my company because that is my distinct focus area
2: and and it's it's funny that I I, I love that that's the first word in the name of your company and I love that the last word is evolution mm-hmm. so why do we you are evolving then your clients and so talk about that part about taking your clients through this evolution and how do you do it?
1: I love that you picked up on that because I worked hard on what that last word would be. And evolution is most on brand for me as a person. I've always looked at my career in phases. I've always looked at the way I serve my clients as an evolutionary process. Um, I'm not walking in with a um, specific, always cookie cutter bag of tricks I'm not working in that way. I'm walking in to help them think about the future, help them think about how they can be more of who they want to be, um, expand in ways that are most appropriate to what their role is in the world and how they see that role expanding, and help them strengthen connections with the people they want to reach based on how they want those people to feel. And that's an evolutionary process.
3: Are the majority of your clients, are they already working on content that's coming from an emotional place or thinking about that? Or is it the exact opposite, that they really haven't kept that as a major consideration?
1: I think all brands are trying to do the best they can when they create content. And when I have the opportunity to work with clients, sometimes they're not necessarily realizing that there's a a better way to approach things. So sometimes they focus a little bit too much on themselves as opposed to the audience they're trying to reach. It's a little bit of about us instead of for you. So that's an important thing to help them do is recognize that they're actually trying to connect with other people um, and find ways to to offer what they're offering in a way that's emotionally compelling and uh, emotionally uh, benefit-oriented
2: you know as we're talking about you evolving your clients right um there is an a learning aspect to it to evolving a big you know companies that are really entrenched in the way they do business how do you go about educating them and sort of like showing them that there's a different way is it through examples from other brands that are doing it well? Is it just looking at research? Like how do you, from the strategy standpoint, how do you, um, have that part of the evolution?
1: Well, I have a benefit in that there's a ton of evidence that's already out there about the fact that emotion is incredibly powerful. There's another statistic out there that I absolutely love that was published in the Harvard business review that says that customers who are emotionally connected or highly connected to your brand are 52% more valuable than those who are just highly satisfied. So a lot of companies will have gone, gone for the goal of highly satisfied, but satisfaction doesn't mean connected. And there's a big difference in the ROI. So fortunately, when I'm chatting with potential clients, I'm able to convey some statistics that are already out there that makes the case pretty clear. And then it's really a matter of trying to understand where the opportunities are in their brand, because all brands are moving forward on a daily basis. And what I'm not trying to do is disrupt that flow or give them lots of new things to think about or new things that they need to do. Everyone is so busy. What I'm trying to convey to them is that with a few of the approaches that I take built into what they're already planning to do, it'll be more effective.
3: Mm. Are there different... Industry verticals that you feel, I don't know, that have more of an easier emotional tie to consumers? I don't know. I'm just thinking like when you think of like babies Mm -hmm. and diapers and things like that versus, you know, a car, automotive. Do you have any research or, or
1: thoughts on that? There are certainly some industries that are more emotional in nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, cars and babies are always very high emotionally mm-hmm. driven categories. <laughs> where um, some other uh, categories uh, are not as known for for their emotional uh, connectivity with people. But when I think about the kind of clients that I want to work with, it really doesn't fall into a particular industry or mm-hmm. category. I'm looking for brands. I'm looking for brands that want to evolve. I'm looking for brands that have this great idea for what their role is in the world and maybe they're a little bit off track or maybe they're a little bit lost or maybe they're just not connecting with people in the ways they want to or enough of those people and they're looking for some ways to create more desire for what they're all about. And that desire will lead to engagement, which will lead to loyalty, which leads to growth.
2: What are your favorite platforms? Let's talk about – because so much of what you're saying, it sounds like, is driven towards social media and digital, um, at least just in terms of the avenues that are available with content besides, obviously, the traditional ones we think about. Um, What are some of the favorite platforms that you advise clients to sort of – or your brands that you work work with to sort of be building content for?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question, but I I think maybe – maybe unlike some of your other guests, I'm, I'm very platform agnostic. Uh, I'm building strategy for the brand at the ground level. And it's meant to actually be a foundation and a platform and a launching point for content across any platform. So I'm thinking about how a brand wants to be seen in the world, how a brand is going to be more, uh, appealing to the people that it wants to reach? What are the ways that it could put itself out there in terms of communications or experiences? And that is really platform agnostic. It's really about uh, applying the strategies and the ideas and the insights that I bring them to whatever content they're creating. And one of the things that I find interesting right now or even I would say maybe interesting is the wrong word. It's probably more daunting. If you're a brand leader, there's a dizzying number of potential content platforms that you have to consider and think about. And my work actually gives them a thread that could run through all of them. It allows them to think about how their brand is gonna make people feel no matter where they come in contact with it. So that's how I go about it
2: but are there a platforms where you see that emotional connection being able to trans like an Translate, Instagram for in example, way. or like you use Spotify, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Those are all platforms. So are there different platforms that are, have a, um, where you see, um, that there is a benefit to have a real emotional connection for brands
1: more, more often than others. Yeah. It starts with, um, when you're in- interacting with, um, Your audience on a particular platform, you need to be thinking about why they're there in the first place, no matter what that platform is. And you need to be thinking about how it is that they're going to receive what you are putting out there. So for instance, there are brands out there that are um, using digital media in ways that are over-aggressive. Or when you go on um, online and you search for something and you buy something and then after that you're getting two months worth of ads pushed at you for that mm-hmm. thing that you either bought or already <laughs> rejected buying, that's that's an important thing. Uh, I've been using TripAdvisor for, for years and years and years, not as a registered user, but just to investigate things. And I'm a big fan of TripAdvisor. I rely on them when I travel. I went on a trip recently and – for the first time, I actually registered with a username and password for TripAdvisor because I purchased a tour package through the platform. I went on that vacation. It was a great experience. I'm home from that vacation now for four weeks and I finally had to unsubscribe from all the stuff that they're sending me, partially because I went on one trip using a username and password Mm -hmm. and now they think we're best friends. Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. second (laughs) thing is, all the stuff that they're sending me relates to the destination that I left three weeks ago. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's just That's interesting. Th- yeah. When you're on a platform, wh- regardless of platform, you need to think about why people are there and what they want to get out of the experience and how you can help them fulfill that mission. And brands can actually become less desirable mm-hmm. if they overstay their welcome or act in inappropriate mm-hmm. ways.
3: Sounds like you need to be working with them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Moving them forward.
3: Yeah. Huh. So interesting. So, um, like, examples like the TripAdvisor piece, like, are there specific things, even recently, that you you can give examples of with clients that you're working with where they, like with a TripAdvisor, they are pushing you content that isn't even. Relevant anymore, and you you really sat down with you know, that brand team and helped re-strategize on that.
1: Yeah, one example that I could talk about, and I unfortunately can't reveal the name of the brand because it's still, um, it's still not launched at the time cool. of this recording. Yeah. But I've been working with a performing arts center in a large city, and that brand has a really wonderful offering for that city. It's a nonprofit. It's got. Uh, multiple stages where they put on wonderful performances from all over the world. They have resident companies and they were wanting to do a better job reaching the broader community in that market. And as most performing arts centers sometimes get into the trap of doing, they were talking a lot about what they were doing and how wonderful it was. And they're right, it is wonderful. And they also have an amazing campus and they have very expensive architectural gems of buildings, but where they were struggling a bit was to reach the broader community. And in the work that we did together, we actually started to change the way they're going to be speaking about themselves in that they're going to actually be focusing more on the people that they want to reach. They're going to be focusing more on what people can experience when they show up, um, how they can discover new passions and forms of entertainment that they have yet to experience. And the good news is that the people who are already heavy users of this performing arts center feel that way. There's a tremendous intersection between the passion that this organization has for what they're doing and the passion that people have who have experienced it. But there's a much broader group of people out there who have yet to experience this organization's um, entertainment. And and now they're going to be made aware in a much more relevant and desirable way that it's actually there for them. It's a nonprofit. It is there to serve the community. And you, as a part of this community, are welcome. And here's what you can discover when you show up. I love that. Yeah. Let me ask a question. I bet
2: so many people listen to this are dying to know from you. Um, you've had a pretty extensive background in, in advertising and through working through with clients, but you are starting your own company. And every new company is challenged with one thing to stay afloat, getting clients, securing clients. And regardless of the industry, people are dying to know, how do you go about for your, for your business or yourself, what is the way you go about um, acquiring clients to believe in
1: the product you're selling and offering and why it's good for them? It's honestly been one of the most challenging parts of starting my own business, and I'm sure I'm not alone in saying that. Um, the way I'm going about it is I'm doing work with people who know and respect me, who I've worked with in the past, and it's actually one of the greatest greatest surprises and things that's come out of having my own company is that through reconnecting with people I've worked with in the past, whether they be people who I'm bringing into my work as uh, support, like freelancing for me on certain things. because I am, I am on my own, but I am working with people on certain projects or the clients that I'm getting to interact with again, who have been past clients. That's one of the most amazing things that has come out of this. I have this incredibly uh, wonderful network of people that I have surrounded myself with through different times of my career. And there are people in that network who I haven't worked with or spoken to in years, and now they're back in my world. And it's actually wonderful. So first and foremost, it's about getting in touch with the people who you know, who've worked with you in the past in another capacity, and now know you're available to help them in this new way. Mm -hmm. That's really how I'm focusing on it.
2: I love that. I love that. That's fantastic answer. We are going to take one more break. And when we come back, we are going to um, get to know you a little bit more and your background and just uh, and all that good stuff beyond brand advertising and emotion.
3: A woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneur. Through the conversations on the Entreprenista Podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram, with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entreprenissapodcast.com.
0: Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at contentisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found.
3: So you were talking a bit about Vermont and when we had our amazing treat, um, how you had your family has a bit of a history there. Um, tell us more about where are are you originally from Vermont or where are you from originally and how did you get your start?
1: Uh, I'm from New Jersey. Um, so not far. Born in Brooklyn, <laughs> but only lived there a few months, but I still like to say it. Uh, I really became introduced to Vermont when I met my wife. Uh, She also born in New Jersey, lived in New Jersey, but she's been summering in Vermont with her family since she was a kid. And we started dating and she brought me up to her family lake cottage and we arrived there one evening and the morning we woke up and I opened the shades and I saw this incredibly large, most amazing lake I've ever seen in my life and i knew that i had to marry her for that lake
3: for the lake mm-hmm. just for the for lake, the
2: lake. <laughs> you're like does the lake come with the marriage yeah. if so here
1: i you am go. ready
2: <laughs> here's a circle that's exactly <laughs> to how to put it, around your
1: finger it's exactly how it went down and so we've been going there for many years and um a few years back We were actually fortunate enough to uh, get our own lake house on the same Mm. lake Mm. within walking distance of my mother-in-law's place. And uh, I have two girls, one's uh, 20 and the other is 18. And they grew up going to that lake every summer and winter of their lives.
2: When you're to unplug from the – when you're unplugging the limbic part of your brain – Nice. See, see what I did there? That yeah. was oh, fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. Um, when you're unplugging that part, what do you like to do beyond family? Like what, um, what's your way to sort of put everything else in the rearview mirror and
1: focus on something else? Three things. One is I like to retreat in Vermont and do a little fishing. Um, on a daily basis – I wish it was daily. It's more like three or four dailies a week I run. So I've been a long-distance runner since high school and I still – run road races and stay in shape in that way and running is a really incredible way to just work out the thoughts and as I was starting my business I actually started running more I was I was running more on weekends when I was commuting into the city every day and working long hours but in my own business I actually find running really helps me break through and clear my head and actually come up with some thoughts and I was once struggling with, oh, how am I going to remember that? I got two miles to go. And then I came up with the idea that if I can't remember it by the time I get home, it wasn't a good idea.
3: Mm. Mm, that's a good one. The yeah. third
1: thing that I love to do, uh, which is a huge part of who I am, is uh, woodworking. I build furniture. Mm. So I uh, – How is the chair you're sitting in? Yeah. It's very comfortable. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, you no, know, I, I build a lot of furniture. Uh, that fills fills my houses with uh just things that I really have enjoyed putting together based on uh envisioning what the plan is gonna be and coming up with my own design and getting reference material and talking to my family about, oh, do you like this wood? Do you like this this finish? This kind of and um it's it's just a big part of my life.
3: Do you gift your furniture to to family and friends?
1: On an occasion. I will gift a piece of furniture to friends and family. Um, I've done that a few times. But most of the time, I'm really building something for one of the rooms in the house that I live in. That's
2: nice. Kevin, this has been very um, eye-opening. And um, before before we let you go, I want to give you the final thought. What's your final
1: thought? Well, there's so much evidence out there about the power that emotion has on people and the way they feel about a brand experience and the loyalty that they will have and the ROI that comes out of that loyalty that I think it's just, it's really time for brand leaders to get serious about emotion. Hmm. That's my final thought.
2: I love it. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for coming out, giving us an epic treat, teaching us about the limbic part of our brains and um, just giving us a enjoyable um, last hour with you. Thank you so much. I
1: really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Yeah,
2: thank you. Um, so, uh, Kevin, if people are trying to contact you, how do they get in touch with you?
1: Well, they could reach me through LinkedIn, Kevin Perlmutter, P-E-R-L-M-U-T-T-E-R, or they could reach me at Kevin at limbic.com l-i-m-b-i-c brand evolution.com and my website is limbicbrandevolution.com
2: fantastic um thanks for a really enjoyable last hour an epic treat um learning more about the brain teaching us a lot about the brain and just um uh for spending so much time with that i am ritesh gupta and uh, i want to thank my co-host amber
3: thank you so much great to have you guys listening with
0: us
2: and we look forward to sharing more with you next time
0: This has been Content Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, Copyright 2020. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at content is your dot com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening.